Ruth chapter 1. Listen, I'm really excited about this series as we kick off the year together. I am really, really excited about the book of Ruth. Uh, You may not know a lot lot about the book of Ruth. It's a short book. It's only four chapters in the Old Testament. So this is going to be a four-week series. And we're going to go verse by verse uh, through the book of Ruth. We're going to take a chapter a weekend, and we're just going to lift out all the principles that God has for us in that. So Ruth chapter 1 is where we are today. The name of the sermon, the title of the sermon is The Land of compromise because we have a choice to make. We have choices to make in life. We have a free will. And so I'm going to talk to you today about this issue of the land of compromise and what that means. So Ruth chapter 1, just a little bit of history or or context to it so that we can understand it, is this, that Ruth happens in a time when they were like, they, they were, uh, it, it was a time of the judges. In other words, it was a time of the judges. There was no king. Everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. There's like spiritual chaos. There's all kinds of chaos. It is a world, uh, in some respects, a lot like ours spiritually, to where it was just everybody was doing right in their own eyes. Their truth is their truth. It may not be your truth, but it's their truth. And so there was all these things going on working in the, this element. And actually, God used used the Moabites to, to, to discipline or to, to judge the, the Jewish people and brought judgment on them. There was this issue between the, judge, the, the Jews and the Moabites that a Jewish person would not go to Moab because in Moab, Moab was a, was a godless place. They, they worshiped multiple gods. They, uh, it was a place of great sexual immorality. The Moabite women were, were seducing the Israelite men, the Jewish men, and they were leading them into an area of sexual immorality. And so it was just an immoral place. It was a godless place. They worshiped multiple gods. They worshiped many gods. Um, they weren't God followers. And so God told the Jewish people, whatever you do, don't go there, right? And so that, that's just a land of compromise. That's not, a, that's not a good place for a Jewish person to be. There's just way too much temptation there. So when you look at the book of Ruth, I mean, the book of Ruth is like a fantastic book of God's, God's redemption, God's grace, uh, the gospel, and some of these other things. But it's also just a beautiful story of like tragedy and loss and and romance, and redemption, and despair, and and victory, and hope. I mean, in other words, it'd make a great Hallmark movie for all you Hallmark movie fans. That it'd make this, I mean, all those elements are there of tragedy, and loss, and despair, and disappointment, and discouragement, and then 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 passion, and romance, and all these other things. So, so let's just pick up the story, verse 1, and we're going to read all the verses. We're going to walk through all the verses in Ruth chapter 1. So verse 1, it says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem, so that's a Limelech, that's, that's a Jewish man, and so we're going to understand that. A man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, and his wife and his two sons. And listen, if, if you were a Jewish audience right now, and I'm like reading this story, and you understand the culture, and you understand their time, when I told you that there was this Jewish man that left Bethlehem and went to sojourn and went to live in Moab, there would be this groan. I mean, there would be this like, what? I mean, what is going on here? See, this is a time when the judges ruled, and, and there was like no king, and it was sexually immoral, and everything was going on. They were leaving the land of Bethlehem, the land God's will for them, where God told them to be. And so, listen, and he left. Why? He left because there was a famine. He, 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 he was in Bethlehem, and all of a sudden, there's problems. All of a sudden, there's difficulty. Listen, famines are horrible things to go through. We in America, we really don't get a famine, right? 
We don't really get widespread poverty where the crops fail and <clears throat> excuse me, and people are wondering if they're going to eat. People are wondering if there's enough clean water. I mean, people are wondering if they're just going to survive. People are wondering if they're going to provide for our family. I mean, we have to go to like a third world country, right? We have to go to somewhere like Zimbabwe to where they like deal with family like on a daily basis. And they're just wondering, will we have enough food? Will we have enough clean water? Will we have enough to eat? See, famines are horrible. But listen, I'm telling you, we may know nothing of a physical famine, but I think we know a lot in America of an emotional and spiritual famine. That you can go through a time in life where you're, you're like in that place and you're following God. And all of a sudden, you go through a famine. All of a sudden, you go through a famine in your marriage. You go through a famine in parenting. You go through a famine in relationships. You go through a famine with your health. And you start questioning. See, this is, this is the whole story of Ruth. Ruth is like questioning like the goodness of God. I'm in the place where God has called me. I'm, I'm in the, like this place, and, and there's some things happening to me, and there's some things going on, and I'm really kind of questioning that right now. See, famines are a horrible thing. Famines are horrible things. Difficulty is horrible things, and, and if we're not careful, that's when we come to the place where we start talking about this issue. We start thinking about this issue of compromise. The fact is that brings us to our first principle. The first principle is this. In life, there is a place of promise, and there is a place of compromise. In life, just like in Ruth's life, and just like in Imelech's life, and we're going to walk through this, but there's a place of promise and there's a place of compromise. The question is, are you going to continue to sojourn? Are you going to continue to walk in the place of promise? Even in the midst of difficulty, are you going to be tempted? Are you going to be tempted to move out of the place of promise, to move out of God's will for you, and all of a sudden begin to move to the land of compromise to where you think, you know what, I'll trust in self instead of trusting in him. I'll try to fix this myself. I'll try to solve this myself. Verse 2, the name of man. So this is when we understand the players and the characters of the story. The name of the man was Imelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. The name of the two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrodites from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went into the country of Moab. Just in case the reader, in case you didn't catch it in verse 1, because it's like huge news, verse 2, they went into the country of Moab, and man, they just didn't visit. They remained there. Imelech, spiritual leader of his house, leads his family out of the will of God. Leads his family from a place of promise where God had told them to be. And he said, kids, wife, we're moving out. And you know where we're going? We're going to Moab. Because you know what? Maybe we'll make, but see, here, here's what was happening. He left the land of promise and went to the land of compromise. Because things got difficult. Things got hard. He started having some questions about the goodness of God and who God is. He began to trust in self and not trust in, in the Lord. And he's beginning to question Question just the provisions of God, even though there's like this division. There's a division between the Israelites and the Moabites. The Moabites, I mean, we, we've said, and I've said in Scripture, it says the Moabites were like seducing the, the Jewish men and they were worshiping other gods. And it was listen, it wasn't a place for a Jewish man to take his family. It wasn't a place for a Jewish man to raise his family. In life, there's always a place. I'm telling you, they run kind of together and it's our choice, it's your choice. There's always a place of promise, but there's also always a place of compromise. 
And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we're tempted, right? We're tempted when our life doesn't work out the way we think it should, when we go through difficulty, when we go through suffering, when we start to struggle, and God is doing something. It's hard for us to see what he's doing, and as a result of that, we're tempted. We're tempted to move out from the place of promise and go to the place of compromise. Watch this, verse 3 and 4. But Amalek, the husband of Naomi, this is, this is when they're in Moab, died. After he led his family there, he dies. And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. That would be another place where the Jewish audience, again, would like, they, they would like groan. Because scripture teaches and scripture has said that the Jewish people were not to marry Moabites. And so they, they took Moabite wives and the name of, of one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there for like 10 years. Now we get a glimpse of how long they stayed there. For Naomi, 10 years of tragedy. We, we don't get all the details. We don't know all the things that they walked through. But they had to struggle. And for, for Naomi and her boys and her daughter-in-laws, the Moabite girls, Orpah and, and, uh, and Ruth, it was like one tragedy after another, one thing after another. And then Imelech is, is like died. And, and now then he's left, he, he's left her in, in this land of Moab with, with two sons and and, and they had married Moabite women. And so if you, if you were to talk to Naomi, may in this time, maybe Naomi would be the ones would say, you know what, this, is how, this, isn't, this isn't how I had my life planned out. This isn't, this, isn't, this isn't my idea of like my family and how it was going to play out. Listen, when we walk through this story, and listen, I'm telling you, this is one of these sermons that I'd like to preach all four chapters at once with you. But then you'd miss all the football games today and... And be like bad stuff. But I don't, want you to, I, I don't want you to look bad or down on Naomi. And we just take a breath here and say, please, please, when we walk through this story. You got to hurt for Naomi. You know what she's dealing with? She's dealing with the consequences that her husband decisions that he made. She's dealing with the consequences of another. She's dealing with the decisions that someone else made, and sometimes in suffering, if we're honest, sometimes those are the most difficult ones to deal with, right? When you all of a sudden you're suffering the consequences, not because of a decision you made, not because of something you wanted to do, but because of a decision that somebody else made, and now she's dealing with those consequences. And so for her, this is like a life of tragedy. For her, this is not how she had her life planned out and mapped out, verse 5, in both, both, both Malon... And Kilion died. Now her sons die. So that the woman, the writer of Ruth, you know what he's doing? Trying to help you understand the depth of despair and depression and rock bottom that Naomi's hit. No longer did he refer to her as Naomi. Now it's the woman. was left without her two sons and her husband. It's tragedy after tragedy, heartbreak after heartbreak. She had figured out that once Imelech had died, that probably, probably she was taken in by her, her two sons and 
Her two sons were her provider, and they were providing for her, and they were taking care of her, and now guess what? They're gone. And she's left with these two Moabite daughters-in-laws. Naomi's lost everything, so she's lost her security. She's lost her family. She's lost her provider. And I think the worst thing that she lost, she lost hope. You ever lost hope? Yep. You ever been in a season and of a famine? Maybe it was an emotional famine. Maybe it was a, a relational famine with some marriage or dating life or something like that. Or maybe it was a financial famine. Or maybe it was a maybe it was a famine with your children. Maybe it was a famine with your health. And it's just like one thing after another. And man, I've been in this for like ten years for them. And it's like one thing right after another. When it when is it when is it going to stop? And you see the depth of the despair and and even Naomi begin doubting the goodness of God. Sometimes, sometimes the land of compromise is internal instead of external. Sometimes the land of compromise, when we go through problems, when we go through struggle, when we go through hurt, some things begin to surface that were beneath the surface, some thoughts that we didn't think were there. We'd never doubted the goodness of God until now. We never had that emotion until now. And a lot of times God takes us... So, through those places so that we could deal with those issues. The second principle is this. The goodness, it is the goodness of God that draws people back to the land of promise. And aren't you glad? It is the goodness of God that leads people back to the land of promise. See, God didn't give up on Naomi. God didn't even give up on Ruth. And we're going to understand this as a story as we unpack this. So, so it's the goodness of God. Listen, it's the goodness of God that brings people back to the promised land. It's the goodness of God that brings people to God. It, when they understand the goodness of God, the provisions of God, the love of God, verse 6, then she, Naomi, then she arose with her, her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard, which is so important, so she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. She's in the workplace. She's in the community. And everybody's talking about the goodness of God. And they're talking about, you know what? God has visited people in Bethlehem. He has given them food. He has given them provisions. He is providing for them. She hears of the goodness of God. Isn't that what brought the prodigal back to the father? The prodigal heard of the goodness of God. No different with her. So she set out. She set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law. And they went on, their, on the way to return to the land of Judah. In other words, all of a sudden, she not only hears about the goodness of God, but she does something about it. All of a sudden, we start seeing this issue of salvation. I mean, this issue of the gospel. We see it come really clear through the book of Ruth. And we're going to see it unpack and, and, and come even more, more clear as we walk through this series. See, she hears of the goodness of God. See, it's one thing to hear of the goodness of God and know that God is good. It is a total different thing to follow him. It is a total different thing to make the decision. I'm leaving the land of compromise. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to follow him. I'm going to follow him regardless of what happens. I'm going to follow him regardless of what people say around me. It is one thing to know of the goodness of God. It is another thing to respond to the goodness of God. That is salvation. So he goes on, so scripture goes on, verse 8. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest. Each of you in the house of her husband, 
Then she kissed them and lifted up their voices, and they wept. I mean, can you imagine this scene? They'd buried, they'd buried husbands together. They'd buried her sons with her. They had mourned together. They had grieved together. They had pulled together. They, they, they'd figured it out. They had, this, they had this unbelievable emotion. They had this unbelievable... People, um, the unbelievable connection. And they, Naomi is tr really trying to help them, and she wants what is right for them in, in verse 10. And so the daughters-in-law, they, they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should have hope, she's lost hope. She's lost hope. If I should have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter. Now she has bitterness. It is exceedingly bitter to me. For your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Naomi is trying to help them. Naomi is trying to spare them of some pain. She said, you know what? If, if you come with me, you're Moabites. If you come with me and you come back to Bethlehem, like you'll never, you'll never have a husband. You'll never have peace. Naomi, she had lost total hope when she talked about this, if I have hope. And then she makes this statement in verse 13. And she says, she says, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. See, that's, sometimes that's what can happen in a land of compromise. You, you, you lose hope. You feel like God is not for you. God is against you. And she is down, and she's like, you know what? You stick with me. You stick with me. It's going to be one tragedy after another because she has lost hope. You know how you and I know when we've lost hope? It's when we come to that place when we believe tomorrow is going to be no better than today. Next week. Things aren't going to, it's going to be no better. Next month, next year, next decade, I'm going to, I'm going to be stuck in this cycle for the rest of my life, one tragedy right after another. Verse 14, it goes on, it says, And then they lifted up their voices and they, they wept again. I mean, I mean this, is, this is an emotional scene. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. This is a huge statement. You can, you can like feel the emotion in this, right? This is like it. This is like in a, it's like in a Hallmark movie. At about an hour and twenty-seven, this is just what a friend told me. It's like in an hour and twenty-seven minutes in, you can check it. You know, they've gone through the breakup, they've gone through the miscommunication, they've gone through the hurt. And then all of a sudden, it's that scene. And listen, let me tell you something. It's not that I'm bitter, but I could be romantic too if I did not have a job and responsibility. I mean, these Hallmark guys, what in the world do they do for a living? <laughs> it's like they have no... I could be romantic too. Just sit around. I mean, they have no visible means of income, but it's amazing what they can do. Let me just give you a heads up for those of you that may not be as mature as me and as far along as me and like watching Hallmark movies with your wife. 
at that 127 moment when all of a sudden they're about ready. I mean, you got like three minutes to wrap this thing up. The credits are about ready to roll. And, and it's, that, it's that scene, and then us guys are staring at the TV, and you're going, seriously? Really? Don't say that out loud. It is of no benefit to you. And, and you know what? When you think, surely she's not crying over this, do not look at her. She does, listen, she does not want you to look at her. She does not want you to look at her and go, seriously, really, are we buying this? It will not go well for you. Just stare at the screen and just say, this is just a wonderful Hallmark movie. So <laughs> that's why I'd rather watch a Hallmark movie than the Dallas Cowboys. That is not a reference to Texas. I... <laughs> that is not. I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> At least I know how home. We got to get back to this. You guys are. You guys are going to send me in the land of compromise. So watch this. So so Ruth and Orp, Orpha, they make this decision. Here's the crazy thing. They both make a decision. Right? We read it before we got off. They both made this decision to, oh, we're going back with you. Orpah kissed Ruth or kissed Naomi. Ruth clung to Naomi. There's a decision. There's a difference. Orpah's decision to be a God follower was all superficial. It's just on the surface. That's just what you say to ease your conscience to make you feel better. There's something different about Ruth. Watch this, verse 15. And so she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Orpah didn't accept. Return after your sister-in-law. Can I, can I just tell you? And it concerns me deeply how quickly we determine whether somebody's a Christian or not. Where we determine where there's been like this inward change. You know how you know when there's been a change in someone? Not that they immediately become perfect. We, we, we get that. We understand that. There's a change in direction in their life. They move out of a life of compromise into the land of compromise into the land of promise. There, there's visible evidence that, guess what? See, the New Testament knows nothing of someone that comes to Christ and their life did not change. Their values did not change. The way they talked about it. So, so verse 16. But Ruth said, do not urge me to, to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me more also if anything but death departs me from you. Now, listen, let me tell you something. Unfortunately, normally when this passage is read at, at wedding ceremonies, this has nothing to do with marriage. This has nothing to do. I know it's, it's a great verse. I get it. And it reads well. I get it. You know what this is talking about? This is talking about the gospel. This is talking about salvation. You know what Ruth is doing? Ruth is saying, I want God. I want God in my life. Yes, I'm a Moabite. 
I wasn't raised in a Christian household. I wasn't grown up with the teachings of the Scripture in the Old Testament. I wasn't raised with a mom and a dad that talked about Yahweh, talked about God. But for Ruth, Ruth is saying, you know what, I've seen the goodness of God. I've heard of the goodness of God. And whatever that is, I want that. And I'm willing, I'm willing to change everything. I'm willing to walk away from my family. I'm willing to walk away from from how I did life. I'm willing to walk away from my religion. I'm willing to walk. I I am, listen, I will stand alone if I have to. Whether my family cheers me on, whether people around me cheer me on, I I am following God. See, for her, this is like a, this is such a profound statement. We're going to read it. This is such a profound statement. From that moment on to Bethlehem, they didn't speak a word. Ruth is trying to process what she just said and the decision she made. And guess what? Naomi's trying to process the same, verse verse 16 or verse 18. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, like she's going to follow God regardless, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman... And the the women said, is this Naomi? Now, this is is prior to, like, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So they've had, like, no contact for, like, 10 years. They weren't getting pictures. They weren't getting updates. But here's the deal. The land of compromise changed Naomi. The land of compromise aged her. The The land of compromise was not favorable to her. And they're looking at her, and they say, is... Is this Naomi? Is this Naomi with her husband Emelak and the two sons, Kilion and Malon? And then and now she's coming back and she doesn't have them, but she has this that she has this Moabite woman with her. Is is this who she is? I mean, is is this Naomi that turned her back on God and went to a pagan land? Turned her back on her religion, her family, her friends? That because things were getting difficult here that she went there. I mean, and then, then the only thing she has with her is like this. is like Ruth, Ruth the Moabite, verse, verse 20. So she said to them, so Naomi said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Names in the Old Testament meant something. Real quickly, the name Naomi went pleasant, uh, wonderful, blessed. That's what it meant. Okay, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? When the Lord has testified against me, the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. This is a picture of God, and this is a picture of what happens when we walk away. Listen, I'm telling you, I don't care the promises that the land of compromise makes you. The land of compromise will always leave you empty. The land of compromise will never fulfill. The land of compromise will never give you peace. See, Naomi's coming back, and listen, I'm telling you, her faith was not weak. Her faith was strong, and it was honest, and it was authentic, and it was true. And please hear me, and please understand that as we journey through this, you're going to understand her life. You're going to understand Ruth at a really deep level. Because I think the Lord has a lot to say to us in this issue of suffering. It's a lot like Job, right? Just real quick, it's a lot like Job, and he says, you know, Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Shall we only accept the good things from the Lord and not the bad? 
I mean, where Job came to the place and said, you know what, even, even, though, even though things turn out bad for me, guess what, I will trust him because he is good. See, Naomi is walking through this process. Please, please, please do not be too hard on her. She is dealing with the consequences of another. She's dealing with the decisions of another. And she's making the decision that I'm going to go back and I'm going to follow him. The third and the last principle is this. Many times famine leads people back to the goodness, to the land of promise. Many times famine leads people back to the promise, the land of promise. There's a lot of you in this room, and you have a testimony, and I know that. You have a testimony that you went into the land of compromise, or you went into a land of famine, and all of a sudden you heard about the goodness of God, and it was the goodness of God that brought you back to him. Or it was the goodness of God that brought you to him, that you realized that he was a God of forgiveness, and he was a God that will hunt you down and will pursue you. He pursued Naomi even into the land of compromise. He was pursuing Ruth even in the land of compromise. Verse 22. So Naomi returned in Ruth the, Ruth the Moabite. How would you like to be referred to that in a Jewish area? The writer of Ruth is trying to help everybody to understand the tension, but he's trying to help everybody to understand the goodness of God. And so he refers to her, hey, Ruth, not just Ruth, Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came, this is huge, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Naomi is saying, you know what? I went to the land of compromise, and I have come back empty. I have, I have nothing. And by on the surface, by all appearances, she's right. But you know what's breaking? The goodness of God. The barley harvest. The barley harvest is coming. And it's going to meet every one of her needs. It's going to meet every one. I mean, it's, God is going to bless her. Naomi is saying, I am empty. I have, I have nothing. And little does she know that standing right beside her is the fullness of God. When she thinks she is empty, the barley harvest is beginning. Can I just tell you, we may not totally get it because we're non-Jewish. We don't understand all their culture. This is one of the greatest demonstrations of God's faithfulness to her. She went to the land of compromise. She comes back, and guess what? There is a barley harvest for her. The, the harvest is coming. It's the gospel of redemption. Put yourself in Ruth's shoes. Ruth the Moabite. She stuck out. Nobody can even believe she's there. Everyone is staring at this Moabite woman. Not only that, she, Naomi said, I went away full and I came back empty. I have nothing. And Ruth is standing beside her. All she could probably do is just look down at the ground, feel the tension. But yet, the barley harvest 
Redemption was for Ruth just as it was for Naomi. It's the picture of the gospel is open to everyone. As long as you will repent and receive. Let me just ask you, have you ever, you ever been through a time when you felt like the weight of the circumstances or situation was too heavy to bear? Man, I've been in this situation and tragedy, one tragedy right after another, and you wondered if it's going to end. And you question the goodness of God or the plan of God. Can I just tell you this? Ruth is a picture of radical abandonment of following God. That I will trust God not just now, but I will trust him for eternity. For Naomi, she learned that God can be trusted. Here's the salvation again, verse 16. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and my God, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth wasn't raised in a home where mom and dad taught her the ways of God. She didn't even know if God would accept her, and God accepts her. This is a beautiful picture of his provisions for us. That's why it's so important that this morning that we take communion together as a church family.